Sword. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we're discussing A Night of the Word. It's uh, the second book in the Word and Void series by Terry Brooks, which is a super prequel to the Shannara Chronicles. Um, so in this book, we join up with our, our two main characters, Nest and John Ross. It's been Several years since the events of the first book, and uh, we kind of join Nest uh, while she's at uh, home for a little bit from college, and uh, John Ross has walked away from the Word, and is no longer a Knight of the Word, and he's trying to live a normal life with his uh, girlfriend. And um, basically, the plot of the book is uh, an apparition comes to uh, Nest and tells her she's got to go to John Ross, and... Tatamalian. Yeah, Tatamalian. So she's got to go to John Ross and convince him to take up the the mantle of the Knight of the Word once again, or uh, he'll be turned to the dark side and become a demon. Well, there are other options. Well, he could die. Right, right. So he could die. Yeah, and if she's not able to save him, they'll send somebody to kill him. Yeah. That's the basic basic gist. So the struggles... uh, Go from there. So basically the same story as the first story of the series where if they can't save Ness, we're going to kill her. Right. Got it. But a role reverse. Right. 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 Just a little bit. Yeah. Right, got it. Yeah. Yeah. And they do point out that it's the same thing. Right. Several times. Yeah, they do. They do. They do. <laughs> so. So, uh, Jim, reading the sequel in this series, how'd you, like, what did you think? I mean, how did how did this play out for you? I mean, what were you, what were your initial impressions of this book? Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it was a it was a neat continuation to the story. It was uh, fun to see Nest grown up and becoming a track star. I guess uh, at her at Northwestern, wasn't it? Is that where she was going? Northwestern. Yes. Yep. And yeah, and um, coming into her, her own and then having to face the choice of going and finding John and convincing him, but I guess I'm getting too deep into plot. Uh, it held my interest all the way through, and I really liked the characters, and I liked the action. It was a good book as far as I'm concerned. Very cool. David, how about you? Um, of the three Terry Book Brooks books we've read, right, this is by far the best written one. Oh, of of the three, I because I think my big complaint with both of the other ones, which were both the beginning of a trilogy, I felt like he built these things up and didn't add any give any substance to them. Like uh, he alluded to 
you know, magic or, you know, the night of the word or whatever. And he just didn't give any particular thing enough attention where I felt this book was much more centered around only two characters instead of a large group of new people that he was constantly introducing someone new. And you really got, got a feel for who they are and what they could do. Um, the end of the book that you actually get to see some magic, like do some cool things instead of just like a flash in the bag and it's done. And it's not really anything fantastic. Cause they talk about it. Like it's this great thing. And in the first book, it really didn't, there wasn't really much uh, happening in the other book we read. It was almost, it was just basically dreams. I don't even remember if he did any magic in, um, well, he did because he fights a demon. No, in the, the um, in the other one, the other series. Yes. Well, John's not in that. Yeah, but the other guy that's in that one. Anyway, the other guy. Anyways, yeah, the other guy. But um, he does it with the bones. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he does it with the bones. Um, That said, uh, two mm, three quarters of this movie, this book is uh, fantabulously boring and drab. Um, But the very end was the best that he's that Terry Brooks has been. Oh, good. All right. You want to hear my thoughts? This is my second read through of Terry Brooks of this book. Uh, once reading the actual physical copy, the second time actually listening to it. And I really do enjoy listening to these books. Um, and I say all that, this book I found very difficult to read. And, um, and so uh, let me explain why. As you guys know from the last time we got together, is I am loving the Expanse series and I am now up to like book seven because I just absolutely love the characters and the richly developed depth that's into them. And uh, Terry Brooks does not write that way. While, while he has compelling characters, like I like John and this idea of a crisis of faith and walking away is interesting, right? And Nest is certainly an interesting character. Um. It's almost, I want to say that the characters are not human enough. Like, in, and maybe that's, maybe I'm not saying that quite right, but it feels like when I read like The Expanse, the characters are very gritty, earthy with their own flaws and uh, foibles, and they're very human. And I don't necessarily see that like in Nast, although she has doubts and that whole thing. I think that's probably where you see it most. I say all that. But there are a lot of things that I do like about this book. And maybe I'll get too far into plot like Jim did. But like the Tattermalian, um, I know that we only read the first book in the second series, uh, the one that comes after the Night of the Word series. But I read the whole thing. And the Tattermalian is an essential part. A Tattermalian. And so to see that back, this is a trope that we have that Terry Brooks has kind of used. to see uh, Ulish Amina back, he's one of my he's one of my favorite bit characters. Like anytime he shows up, I'm like I'm like just loving it. So even if it's flashback or it's like nest, I'm just like when he appears, I'm there. And so that's for me. Like there are some things about it that really really drew me in. And so and these were these these are some of the uh, those are just some of the things. And so I found myself halfway through the book say, 
finally getting into the groove of it. But it took me a while. I figured out the reveal. I don't know if it because I remembered it or because, but for me, it was like a new book. It had been so long since I'd read it. I figured out the reveal probably a quarter of the way into the book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a quarter of the way into the book. And I was like, oh, yeah. Um, but then he kind of like sidetracks you a little bit. And you think, well, maybe it's this other person. And, and so you begin to doubt yourself. And so for me, when the reveal came, I was like, ha, ah, I knew it. But I'm not sure that I 100% knew it. So, um, so I enjoyed this book. I read this back. I read this a few weeks ago. So, uh, like, uh, like, like Jim, I'm like trying to refresh my memory on it, but I did. Um, uh, but it was good. It's a good, it's a good Terry Brooks. I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering, yeah, I'm hesitant here because I'm wondering if we were to read like original Terry Brooks, like the, the actual sort of Shnara book, how that would feel in comparison. That's what that that and that's really what I, I'm not I'm not suggesting we read it, but I'm just saying that if we were to read the original, the one that they eventually broke into its own trilogy, although it was originally published as one book, that one reads like J.R. It I, reads like Frank Herbert's Dune. I'm really curious to read mm-hmm. that and to see if he just got comfortable in writing and and overly self confident. Because when you compare this to this to the Expanse, it's like you're comparing. Two great writers and a guy who can kind of write. It's, yeah, it's, but but it's, you see, here's the thing with Brooks um, for me. So he has a core of books. He has Shannara, the Elfstones were well written, and there were some one, books right around the core that were they're really good. And then he began to just put out like a novel a year, and right. and and people got into it because it was it was like some of the. It was like some of the books you get just because you like the universe. Mm-hmm. Not all of them are good, but you read it because it's the only it's the only Shinara universe you're going to get. Right. And, and so you read that. it. Yeah. And yeah. so that's the way I feel about this book. I, I just love how you feel like because I don't think he's good. Well, at this point, from what I've read, I don't think he's that great. And you're just like, it's good for a Terry Brooks book. You're, 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 like, you're, yeah, you're, okay. you're, 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 I think, David, though, that you're judging it. You, you do need... I think personally, you need to evaluate it based on reading the Shannara book. I will agree to that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I just I'm there, curious. It, it, it is. It's hailed as being like one of the quintessential fantasy books, mm-hmm. in my opinion. That one, and and I, I agree with what you said about getting into it towards the end. By the end of this book, I was like, if this, if I would have had this feeling at the end of the first book, I'd be much more into this series, but. Knowing that it took two books for me to get to this point, I don't have a lot of faith in the third one, which I'm sure we're going to win when whoever it is who cheats on the uh, yeah, whatever on the, on the uh, posts uh, votes it in. Uh, who says that they're cheating? Maybe they're just voting. Oh man, I don't know. It's only about two hundred times the amount of votes that the sci-fi books get. <laughs> oh really? Uh, I gotta stop telling my students to vote. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> So, um, anyways, I don't know where that leaves us, but this is, um, so I don't know that it was, so in the, like, I'm thinking back to the books we read here on the orbital sword. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that I don't like these books. It's just, 
when I begin stack, when I begin reading them and surrounding with books that are much more deep character, it's hard to. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So where do we go from here, guys? Uh, Since we got to carry Jim, he can't help yeah, us. Yeah, Jimbo. Just, Jimbo. <laughs> Whatever. He's like disconnected. He's just over there playing his loot. And David, you and I will just talk, all right? Um, just just sitting in the corner, place. you know. Yeah, just sitting him like twang, 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 twang. Writing his, uh, yeah. writing his uh, worm. All right. Um, waiting, so, waiting, J- for war, waiting for Worf to come along and smash my loot against a tree. Oh, <laughs> That's what it way is. to mix streams, right? Um, <laughs> So, uh, so I think I guess we move into characters, huh? That's right. So let's talk about characters. Yeah. Well, we'll start out with uh, John Ross. He was he was my favorite character. Yeah, he's definitely the most relatable character. His his struggle with faith mm-hmm. is is interesting. Is is. His willingness to walk away, but his inability to do so. Oh yeah. Well, you even know. even more so, he traveled all the way back to uh, Wales to the and, Fairy Glade, and, and was going to give everything up and give his resignation in person, but there was nobody there to to accept it, and. Uh, you know, well, okay, then I'll just keep the staff and use it for a walking stick, but I ain't playing this game no more. And and not only do you feel so, like, um, not only can you relate with his lack of faith, you really feel, I, I mean, for me, I felt sorry for him because you really get the, the sense of how this was forced on him. I mean, in the in the first book, he went there and there was this big revelation, but it was like, do this or, or, or else. And then he went home and he was kind of like, well, I don't really know what this is. Like still have my life. And then two bears shows up and he's like, take this staff or, or die. And then he gives him the staff. And even as like a punishment for, for not wanting to take it at first, that's where he, he gets the, uh, the leg wound as a, as a result of taking the power. And not reaching yeah. out to it fast, but he's he can't. He was forced into this position, forced to give up his world, his life, and all he wants is is a taste of freedom, and he can't get it. Or well, he thinks he's that he, also, he has it. He's also filled with a lot of guilt, yeah, because of the incident at the school. Yes, mm-hmm. which you know, I'm going to be honest, that part was tough being a teacher, and especially in today's culture. Oh, you know uh, it. You know it. Oh, you know. It. Yeah, Jim, you had to relate. You know, when he wrote this, so I don't. I forget what year this came out. I should look because I have it right here. Um, or maybe I don't. I thought I thought I might have it. Let me see here. I got it. Uh, nineteen ninety-eight. Right. So this is. Yeah. Uh, what year did Columbine happen? Oh god! It was it was it was it was, it was it was late nineties. Yeah. It was late nineties, and so yeah. when this when this came out, this stuff was not like it is today. And so for me, reading mm-hmm. this and hitting that event, like I'm with John in that. 
you know, I, I, you know, the, the, this is a horrific tragedy that haunts him. And even though I've never ever experienced, thank God, and hopefully never will, whenever I see this in the news, it haunts me as a teacher. You know, so I, you know, I, that was really potent. That was a potent scene. Yeah, we'll see. And then he thought that he should be able to prevent this from happening. Of course, he had he had seen it in his dreams that it was going to happen. He was on the scene, but. What got him was is that even though he could he could stop some of it or prevent some of it from happening, he could not he didn't have the power to prevent it totally. And so it was like, well, hey, if if this is all there is to it, if these kids still died from this, why why am I even bothering? He, he just could no longer be a knight of the word and live with uh, that what he saw as a failure. Right. I mean, that would rock anyone. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if he meets a girl and... Uh... He finds happiness, or what he thinks to be happiness. Steph. Steph. <laughs> yeah. Steph Winslow. Yeah. And go ahead. Yeah, she. I. She was someone I really liked, and I thought mm-hmm. she. You know, she was kind of neat working for uh, Simon Lawrence and being higher up in there, and just seemed like like a nice, plain, regular person. But oh, oh, that wasn't to be. <laughs> yeah. Now, Jim, as you were reading, did you see it coming? To be completely honest with you, the one, well, I'll put it this way. I, when I started reading it, uh, I, the first prediction I had was uh, John is going to come back eventually and he's going to resume being a knight of the word. I did, uh, for me personally, Steph Winslow being the demon came right out of left field. I, I was not expecting that at all. The moment that they, I don't know what it was. I guess maybe the fact that she just kind of shows up on campus, uh, miraculously, um, there were certain things that I, that really made me wonder if Steph uh. really wasn't the the demon. And maybe it was the um I don't know if there's so, sometimes science fiction and fantasy runs this trope that the uh of a beautiful girl being like this wicked creature. Yeah. And um and maybe that was flashing in the back of my mind too. That that was that that so maybe it wasn't so much that Kay Brooks was giving it away, although I think there were hints uh, yeah. along the way. But maybe it was just more, it was my expectation that this is what kind of happens. The first time oh, I, I suspected, okay, go ahead, Jim, sorry. So, sorry. Well, I, and I was going to say, I, I started about two-thirds of the way through the book wondering, okay, is is Steph everything she appears to be? 
Um, and it, it just seemed like there were too many weird things happening and it kind of surrounded John. Right. And it was, and, and I started to have suspicions, um, about two thirds of the way through the book. Yeah. They talk about like the stink of the demon being on him, um, which might have had to be someone seemed to suggest there was someone close, um, there was well, and the there, 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 there was a demon in the building. Right, right. Well, they they don't know. They don't know how much it is. But the Tattermalian comes out and says, seems to indicate there's someone really close to him because it's like there's an urgency. You got to stay away from John Ross. Is you know her words to to Ness. I think the other part of that is that Steph comes off as being the most perfect woman ever. Well, that's what I was going to say. The the moment that I suspected she was, I the first time I suspected that she was the demon uh, was the moment where all of a sudden he starts describing how the reporter is like head over heat, like she blows him away with her looks and and how perfect she is. Up until mm-hmm. that point, she was just like his girlfriend, and then all of a sudden, I was like. Well, they just like every everybody wants her, so that means that that some that she's probably the demon. The moment I knew she was the demon was when the demon killed the kids, and at that point they were just describing the demon generally. And they said the demon was in the in the park and was wearing sweats to fit in, and I was like, oh yeah, it's a woman. It's it's the it's her. <laughs> That's the moment I knew. It was like. Now, which like, park? Yep. Are you talking about the kids down below in the underground, or are you talking about the park? Uh, the kids down, like the, the, yeah, down the kids below. down below. Like before it goes below, it it's describes how the demon was going through the park in disguise and was wearing sweatpants as it as it wa- walked through the park to to fit in, and it just the way that they described what it was wearing and how it was going through the park. I was like, well, that's that's that that's part. A woman. That part also was hard for me to read. Right, killing the kids. Killing the kids. Because you typically, it's not that it never happens, but it doesn't happen very often where you see children being killed like that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, it certainly makes her all the more evil. You know, if you want to argue that. But. but since we're talking about her. Right. So yeah, so all we, about her. Yeah, let's talk about everything about and her. I think she was a way cooler demon than the demon in the in the first one. The Ness's father? Yeah, because she had powers other than just manipulation. She could shapeshift. And then her true form was like this giant jackal monster. And then they had a description of her and demon form fighting another demon. Um there was just a whole lot deeper introspective to like what the demon was capable of powers. It had how it used its powers. It's like in the, in the first book, her Ness's father was just kind of like, he was invisible and he used his invisibility to like mess with people's minds and influence them. And that was, and then he had that tree that he was, he was setting the thing out from yeah, the, Other mon- than the that, Monturag or whatever. Yeah. He didn't really display a whole lot of, I mean, they said that he was powerful, but he didn't display a lot. There wasn't a whole lot of magic in the first book. Well, maybe with well, the grandmother he, a little bit. But He didn't need those powers. He didn't need a lot of powers to do what he was doing, though. 
it, it, was it that he was invisible? I know we're on this tangent here. Was it that he was invisible, or you just made people kind of ignore him? Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it, it was like he was there, but if he didn't want to be seen, people's eyes just kind of skirted over him and didn't really notice. Like the TARDIS. Right. <laughs> yeah, very much like well, the TARDIS. Well, he knew, he knew how or to like blend silence. in. You know. So. Silence, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I, did I like her as a character? Absolutely. Um, and And it made me sad to figure out that she was a demon because I liked the relationship she had with John. And even at the very end, when it's when when he has figured it out and he 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 approaches her in in their room and he kind of says, you know what? Why does it matter that I'm a demon? We can still be together. I still love you. And he said in, in inside he's like, it's not really love. And that mm-hmm. that was that was a really that was you know, from a relationship standpoint, that was like a heart wrenching scene. And yeah. uh and I, I and I did like I did like I did like that. I feel like from the moment that John goes to the museum to confront the other guy and meets the demon, that's to me, that's the gold part of the book. That, it is. Uh, well, for uh, but what about the what about the park? Like the the, the demon chasing nest. Okay, like, that's that, good too. That is phenomenal. Like so they go to the park and you know what who's the uh who's the stick creature um, uh his name's Boot. Here. Oh Boot. Boot. So yeah. Boot Boot's trying to give a description just about he's about to describe this demon. This demon comes crashing out, there's a whole battle. Yeah. Nest is running, trips over a fence, goes tumbling down, and she's running. I mean, you see her racing skills coming out and she's out of breath, knocking in doors, going to houses, and a demon's bagging in. And I'm like, Go, Ness, go I'm like shouting in the <laughs> oh, background. Yes. And I'm like and I'm like, come on, Keanu Reeves, drive that bus, you know, and you know, that thing. So, um, but you know, I, yeah, that, that was that was pretty intense. <laughs> it was. It was just, and you're just, um, it really, and then, and then, really, from then on, like the using the fire to cover up the fact that she was injured. Um, it was just. Really, I think from that point on, it really began to really grip me. Yeah, because I know what I said. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah, it's not that there weren't some slow parts between that and the and down to the, but everything had a lot more weight after that. Yes, because you, you now there had been some action. There was it, literally skin in the game, yeah. right? There were, I mean, there was there was stuff. A Ness life was potentially in danger. Not only that. She decided she was going to leave and then not leave, and you know, and and the demon wasn't afraid to show itself in the wild. It was right. chasing her through yeah. the city in demon right. form, right? Well, and and the way that whole thing started was 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 an oh crap moment for me. This is not going to end well. Was when uh, the demon killed Boot and Audrey the owl. I mean, just oh, yeah. swiped it right out of the air, and then this chase is on, and it's like, oh boy, this is going to be really bad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> we say that. So we we're talking about Steph Winslow, th- this demon. Um, it, it is it is definitely a more it's a different demon that we encounter from the first, uh, with a different motive, um. 
And we see, too, uh, we get a little bit of insight into the demon world here that the demons are not all together. They're selfish. They, she's, she, this is her night of the word that she's turning. And um, so we haven't hit Findogast. Is that the uh, one that from the Gypsy Morph? Yeah. That's what? Oh, uh, to, to comment on that, a, a big thing about the um, about them serving the void is they make a note that the demon, when it becomes a demon, wants these things, and that the fact that they just happen to be in line with what the void is just how it is. Like the demon isn't like necessarily like a uh, um, like John Ross, where he serves the word. The demon just happens to be aligned. With the void, what it wants is what a demon wants. Just happens to be kind of what the void's about, right? So, this is a little bit different. Yeah, a little bit different than that. Well, so you what know, other characters? Another thing, Go ahead. Another thing too that that we talked about was the demon in the first book didn't seem to be as powerful, and now this one is more powerful. I'm wondering if perhaps we're not as we get closer to whatever the apocalypse is that changes changes everything and brings about the world that we read about in in the first book that we read if maybe maybe the demons aren't getting more powerful as time goes on and we get close to that that time well that's true too because 5 years have passed since the events and there there are indications that the world is unraveling um, even though there's still hope, the world's kind of unraveling to the world that we experience under the gypsy morph and down through. But mm. very good. Um, Let, let's, but with move, jo- let's move on. Let's move Go on ahead. to Simon Lawrence and Andrew Wren. I'll tell you what, this little side trip was really amusing to me. It, it was, you know, and here's the thing. I had tremendous respect for Simon Lawrence as a man, at least the way he's written, right? Um, a man of integrity. The problem became is that at times a demon impersonated Simon Lawrence. And then it's like, well, which Simon Lawrence do we have? You know what I, I mean? I think the only demon only impersonated him at the end, though. Yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's only at the end. I think so. Yeah. But, um, and Andrew Wren just being the person who's trying to keep him honest. Well, yeah. Actually, Andrew Wren was there to get dirt on Simon Lawrence because, see, I saw Andrew Wren as a, um, not skeptic, but, but a cynic, very cynical. So, you know, here's Simon Lawrence running this this organization, and he he can't possibly be honest because nobody that does this is honest. They're getting something out of it uh, beyond beyond what it is. And as time went on, you know, Andrew didn't find anything. He didn't find anything. It seemed like he did kind of a flip-flop where he hoped he wouldn't find anything. Right. So, you know, as as far as Andrew Wren was concerned, 
he said, you know, he, he was thinking maybe I found, actually found an honest person who's in this for the right reasons. Right. right. But then the demon sticks its fingers in his head. Right. And starts telling him. Yeah. He well, does. Fig- give, yeah. Gives him those, that, that information that he slips the under records. the door. Yeah. yeah but before that, it, it goes in his brain. Gives and, him that doubt. And that, te- well, and, I'm not yeah. going to find anything here. Yeah. Yeah. It tells him that yeah. there's something hidden. Yeah. I did think it was interesting in the end when he goes to verify the signatures, he also figures out that this is Steph Winslow's behind it. Yeah. Like, yeah. not that it's it's just another confirmation. At that point at that point of the story, it seemed like anytime anyone got close to saying anything significant, it was always switch character focus. Yeah. You know, it was very much like to keep you reading, and I was just like, I mean, I'm not gonna not finish the book, but this is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good, good authors though do that they're, they're, they're about to there's a big reveal or something's going to happen and boom next character so <laughs> did we uh i mean so did we talk about john ross already yes. oh yeah well so we did uh, we we didn't really mention like owen Gl- o- owen glindar right in the who was in the fairy glade that uh, says well, look you can't yeah, yeah, you can't give up this once yeah. you're committed, and maybe there's something to be said there. Well, so who else? Did yeah. we talk about Nest at all? Not, not very much. Area. All right, let's talk about Nest. Nothing okay. to say. All right, talk about Nest. No, okay, that was done really <laughs> quick. Yeah. I thought her character was her character was a lot better in this one because uh, she wasn't us as much. Like the in the first book, she's the naive reader. And everything's getting explained to her. Although with Terry Brooks writing, nothing ever gets explained. So everyone's just saying, don't you know about this? And she's like, no, I don't. And then they're like, well, you should. Let's move on. So now she's a college student. We find out that her grandfather has just passed. Yeah. And and so she's kind of on her own. And she's dealing with, do I get rid of the homestead or not? Um, She's having her own struggle with faith, I think. There is. There is. And it's not she doesn't believe in the magic. Like, Pick's still there. Right. So it's it's not like she's ignored it. But the power of it, she hasn't engaged in a while. And and I think from her, it's more, do I fit into this puzzle? Do I want to be a part of it? Right. Or do I want to just move on with my life? That and and letting go of the past. I mean, she's seriously considering selling old Bob's house. And... Uh, she's had offers, and she's had very, very good offers for it. But, uh, you know, she's attached to the place for for a number of different reasons. And, you know, just as, as it seems like she's going to accept one of the offers because she needs the money, uh, her scholarships don't cover all of her expenses, Um she gets called away. Ariel shows up and says, okay, come on. We got this thing we got to do. Let's go. And right. so she just right. kind of sets everything aside. Right. Although, but, but, I, go ahead. I don't think she would have set everything aside if it wouldn't have been for John. If Ariel would have showed up and been like, there's someone we have to go warn, she would have been like, whatever. Yeah, but this the fact that it was problem. John, yeah. like that's a thing that really does seem to push. Right. But not without mixed feelings. Right. Because she had ended up at the end of the last book, she had she had mixed feelings about John because he had come to kill her. Right, but 
at the end of this book, I think she's accepted her role. Yes. In magic. So if this, if the same scenario were to happen now about whoever, I think she would go do it. But the first time it had to be John. What do you think about? She's, she figures she's going to be able to complete this little task very, very quickly because it's time for her to go back to school. Right. All she has to do is deliver a message after all. Yeah. And you know, she's got, she's got responsibilities that she has to take care of. And this little side trip is, is very inconvenient. Yes, very much so. Well, and then and what do you think about Roger Hep, Robert Hepler being kind of uh, thrown into the mix? <laughs> it's the boy. It's, it's at the beginning, and then he, he, he kind of bookends. You know, he has him. It's the boy at the beginning, and we find out that he uh, he made a mistake toward Nest at a father's funeral or a grandfather's funeral, and um, she's kind of very standoffish with him. But at the end yeah. of the book, at the end of the book, when she returns, says, hey, let's get together. Now, well, they've been well, longtime you know, friends. I feel sorry for the kid. I mean, right. he doesn't have a prayer. There's just <laughs> no way. Because he's not in her league. <laughs> well, at the very end, there is a suggestion that maybe. Yeah, they're just going to get together for pizza. Right, uh, right. It's not going to go anywhere. That's such a. It always <laughs> starts with pizza. That trope. That yeah. I, it, it's very much the the nice guy trope he's writing in here, and I, right. that kind of writing wouldn't fly anymore. Right, right. Always starts with pizza. You know, if if my daughter says, "Hey, I'm invited to this guy's highest for pizza," I'm like, "Yeah, right, pizza." Yeah, yeah you have code word for. I'm just pizza. Kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just pizza no, or sushi. Those two. Yeah, I, but, I think these two. I think these two are good friends. Right, right. And I think they're going to continue to be good friends. Um they're they're not they're not going to get together. I I don't no, see no, no that. No parents go wow wow or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I do see happening is perhaps in the next book something happens to Robert. And her friend is taking taken from her, and this is going her to last friend. probably lead in another direction. I think it'd be a lot cooler if something happened to her, and the book was focused around Robert getting thrown <laughs> into this world, like what a muggle, what? a yeah. muggle in this magical world, <laughs> but only the, trusted the, by the creatures because she trusts him. I think that'd be way more nerdy. interesting. Yeah. The poor nerdy yeah. kid just wandering around the wilderness, not knowing. You know, what Robert to do with might him, have man. a chance with pizza and best <laughs> if if someone came and played the lute. That's true. You know that would just ma- change the setting and mid, uh, mid pizza. Yeah, maybe you could like teach that person, or maybe you could be the one that could serenade with the lute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we need to, we need to start running our own fan fiction for this. Yeah, I think series. so. Fan fiction and, and Jim. Appeared out of the mist with his loot. <laughs> Romance was a brewing. <laughs> oh my! Uh, All right, know, let's with, get back on track. With Nest, we have, of course, Ulish Amina, and he takes on the role that John Ross had in the last book. And like, he really insinuates that look, if John Ross doesn't get it, I've been sent here with one very distinct mission. Yeah. 
But then he, he drops off so quick, though. Well, so they have that conversation, and then we have what John Ross's recollection of meeting him again and also getting that same indication from him. And he drops off because he's not needed. Because John Ross makes a decision to become a Knight of the Word. But then after he decides to become a Knight of the Word, it's really when the whole decision to be good or bad really happens. Because he's being tricked. Right. To use his magic again. So really, like, because... It, I, you know, they, they made the whole books made out to see like, will he or won't he become a knight of the word? But really reigniting the magic was only part of the path to the big thing that would cause the end of the world, not the thing that would be caused the end of the world. Right. Cause it, he had, it was all a trick to get him to become, to reignite his magic and then kill an innocent person. And then right. once he killed that innocent person, then he'd be under the, influence of the demon and the demon could manipulate that thing so you would think that two bears would be around to secure i don't know yeah no you might be right two bears he just uh, to me john was around a lot to to stop the thing stuff in the first book right two bears is around and he i mean he warns him and talks to nest and then talks to nest and then he he drops off. Right. And he's not needed story-wise. I agree to that. But technically speaking, serving the same purpose as John Ross did in the first book, he's not super effective. Well, he could have he could have been standing like in like the wings of the museum or library or wherever That's they were doing the things. He could have been standing there. Watching everything, just strumming on his lute. Or maybe he was only supposed to act if he went over the line. Maybe. And not a preventative, a more of a reactive yeah. thing. Well, and wasn't that kind of what John Ross was supposed to do? If he couldn't save Nest. Yeah. Then. This. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing, I guess. All right. I don't know. Thoughts on that, Jim? Uh, I don't know. I just think Two Bears is cool. He is no matter one of my favorite when he shows up, whenever he shows up, he's cool. Well, let me ask you this. One character we haven't talked about is what do you think about what Terry Brooks did with Wraith? Because Wraith is pretty, this is neat. I mean, Wraith disappears, but not really like now Nest is a shape changer. Yeah. And I, to me, so this goes back to the whole, like magic is cool. And finally doing cool things in this in in these stories rather than just being alluded to constantly. Yeah. Yeah. I liked Wraith. Yeah. I thought yeah, Wraith I was movie. gone. I really did. I thought Oh we, me too. You know, yeah. We didn't need Wraith anymore after the last book was over with because all that was taken care of. And then when he shows up as uh nest protector again that was just great it's like oh she's still got this help how oh, cool yeah. you know i I, <laughs> I don't know the thing about yeah i don't know well and terry brooks does play it up throughout the book you know like wraith is gone i remember seeing him disappear and so we're constantly led we're, we're kind of um led the opposite direction and so wraith is gone and she misses him 
And with it, she's not sure she has her power. And what we find out is that this power inside her, at least in part, has been infused yeah. with Wraith. Because I don't think that's Wraith anymore. That's They kind of made it clear that that's her turning into the creature and using the, the power that Wraith had. And Wraith is now, well, Wraith is now part of her. Yeah, rather than it being Wraith. Right. See, yeah. and I, I saw it more as a gift from her grandmother that stayed with her. Yes, I would yeah. agree with that. that myself, with that. And, you know, yeah. because there was there was a lot of doubt surrounding Nest about uh, whether you know she had not used her powers for so darn long that perhaps they had atrophied. Right, and I think there's a lot of confusion. Like she's just not sure how the magic actually works, and I think perhaps this is what makes it a little bit endearing. Yeah. You know, is the fact that you do get that well i was very relieved when when uh she found that she was able to do what she needed to do right okay slight like thing for me very small i sense a rant coming no 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 no, no, no. this is (laughs) this is i this is probably gonna explain (laughs) to the next book in fact i'm positive it will in the beginning, when they're talking about how Wraith disappeared, they go over some of the rules of magic in this world. And one of those rules that Pick explains and reiterates is that magic doesn't get used up, it changes form. Right. Right? So magic is infinite. Right? At the end of the book... The very last couple things about John Ross are about how he is going to use up all of his magic and be without magic for a, a period of time. Which doesn't make sense if magic doesn't get used up. Well, the only, the, I mean, the only thing I, the only thing that only thought I had with that is it doesn't get used up, but when John Ross uses magic, it leaves him depleted for a while. Yeah, because he talks about there's a there's a uh, it doesn't come without cost. Yeah, but it could, but so the only yeah I understand that. But like at the end, he's like he has this vision of this time where he's going to go a long period of time without magic, and he's like, "Am I going to use it in one big swoop, or if I use it a little every day, will it just continue to deplete? In other words, it's not regenerating." So that well, I know they're gonna because it was alluding right. to what's well, in the next the, book. The only yeah. the only thing is is like in Ness's case, there's like almost an innate magic, and maybe there's a distinction between that which is given, like he's given the staff, which is different maybe than a than a magic that has kind of been inborn. inside of her. Yeah, so maybe I mean I don't that know. Could be. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Jim, well, you're gonna say now, something. Yeah, I was gonna ask if so if. Is John, John's magic, if he used it and used it and used it, could he eventually just kill himself? Well, it's in the staff. So, I mean, I, I the way they kind of explain it is it's like, is regenerative in some form. Um, right. But the way he talks is like, eventually his well is going to run dry for a period of time, a long period of time. 
because he does allude that it's not permanent, but that in his dream, mm. he goes a long stance and he's going to have to be without magic for a long time. So yeah. what does he have to do? Change the batteries in the staff every now and then? or uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, they, I mean, I, I think that's the hook to get you to read the next book. Yeah. Because it's oh. at the very, very end. Yeah. So... And what is this a vision that he has? Yeah, he talks about a vision that he's. He and has. we know how clear those things are. Super, crystal. super clear. Clear. So he knows exactly what's going to happen. Next. Yeah, it's spoiled. Why read the next book? I know. That's what I mean. I've been trying to tell you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you see that, and that's just where where I'm wondering uh, what I mentioned earlier about what I think is going to happen in the next book because we do know from the previous book that Nest is going to be involved uh, in a very negative sort of way in what's going to happen in the future. Right. Somehow. So perhaps uh, John uses up his magic trying to keep her from becoming what she is destined to become and as he did at the school in the beginning of this book, he is going to fail. I'm pretty sure she becomes and, a gypsy boy, or she gives birth to gypsy more. Well, she does. We get that from the uh, we that was spoiled in the uh, in the first book of the next trilogy. That she is the that she she she's is the, the mother. The mother. Yeah. yeah so okay. Nestle Marks yeah. it's her bones that leads the new knight of the word to that gypsy. So we do know that, and we also well maybe we don't know it in this book. We find out. Um, there was a second night of the word running around that book. Do you remember yeah, Angel? Sure. So a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, Angel is mentored by John Ross. So I don't know if we're going to see that in book three. You know, it's alluded to, but. Hmm. But I think uh, we kind of talked a little bit about it, but maybe we can move on to uh, favorite, favorite plot, plot points. What do you think? Well, I, th- I think we hit a lot of them. Like, yeah. like the battle at the park and Ness running from that. I was like, go. You know, we, we talked about that. And and then the battle at the end. Um, th- Those were big points for plot for me. I thought they were really cool. I like I like the description of like the, the demon transforming or kind of transforming like with its arms and slicing him. Uh or when it jumps out the window and it turns into its true form. As it falls. As it falls. I did think that would make a great movie scene. Seeing that happen. CGI yeah. that you do. I, re- <laughs> I really liked Andrew Wren because you know who he reminded me of? Columbo. Uh, what is it? Columbo. <laughs> Columbo. <laughs> what wow, you got I here? guess nobody... Re- <laughs> Who I love Columbo. Columbo. Oh yeah, Columbo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love Columbo. You know, it's it's you know he, he's just kind of this patchwork detective reporter that's a bit Weasley, but I think what impressed Wait. me was the way that Simon is the way that Simon Lawrence treats him, despite yeah. the fact that Simon Lawrence is being like if I were being investigated, I'd be, I'd be like really paranoid. I'd be like, "Oh crap! What would happen? What if they find something?" But he wrote he wrote a positive <laughs> piece about Simon Prior. Yeah, and so he said, not- "Look, I got to get." He says, "Well, my books are open. If you find anything, I think Simon genuinely is a man that if there's something wrong, I want to know it." Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, 
I, I think I think si- Simon is actually is the one honest person uh, in the business that he's in, and he's not in it for himself. Anything other than the rewards you get from doing a service like this. Andrew Wren is a plotter. He just plods along and he just moves along and until something uh, reveals itself, whether it's true or not. And then even then, instead of running back to New York and writing up this big uh, expose, uh, he goes back to Simon and tells him, look, I found this stuff. Can you explain it? I think, so, or at the beginning of the podcast, I said this book was, and I think the reason that it was boring to me, and I know I've heard from other people that they also thought this book was, was fairly drab, uh, was all of the, and it was, I mean, if you're not familiar with that world or nonprofit, all the explaining of of this bit of this nonprofit organization and office life and right. And that kind of stuff was very drab and boring. And mostly cause I've either lived it or experienced it in some way or worked with nonprofits in some fashion. It's just kind of like, it was kind of like preaching to the, in a sense, preaching to the choir. Right. I understand why it was needed. Right. And I'm not downplaying that is just it. I found that stuff very, very boring, very ponderous for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I wasn't necessarily bothered by that. I think what um, fascinated me. We're talking about. I, mean, I know we're supposed to be talking about plots, and we're back to character again. But you know, Simon Lawrence being referred to as the Wiz, and so we had this whole uh, Wizard of Oz motif that kind of, you know, and he's at there in the Emerald City and. John is his vision where he's supposed to kill the Wiz. Well, there's something very surreal about that. When you look at the Wiz and the Wizard, and it's all smoke and mirrors, and he's not really anyone special. Um, and maybe that's what they're saying about Simon, but the other part of it makes you wonder, like, they're calling him the Wiz. Is there something, is there a deception going on that we don't know about? Because why would A, why would John Ross kill him? If there wasn't, if he wasn't the demon, um, or you know, why would he be called the Wiz? Because the Wiz was nothing but a what do they call him? A humbug. A humbug. He was a huckster. Huckster. Yeah, you know. And, and so, so I had that message worked for me, but also served to lead me astray at point, mm. and perhaps intentionally so. I mean, they call. I mean. I get that symbolism, but I also understand why they called him the wizard because he was a leader and a very powerful guy in the Emerald City. Right. And I yeah. think that it, See now, it just, that's where the allergy and uh, allegory. Yeah. You know, and I think David, I'm just the opposite of you there. Um, I, I really enjoyed that backstory and the, you know, moving off, in different a uh, few different directions, but not going too far off the beaten path. I guess um I guess I kind of enjoy some of that a little bit. Uh I I, I didn't necessarily need to get to the meat of this book very quickly. 
and I kind of enjoyed the character development that went along with it. I understand where those things were there. I'm not knocking well, they, them because I just found yeah. it boring. They were there to make Simon Lawrence and um, uh, Steph people that you care about. That understood. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Simon Lawrence was a person, was a character that I grew to care about, and Steph was also. And of course, I was very disappointed uh, that Steph was the demon. Um, I, I shouldn't say that I'm not angry at Terry Brooks for writing it that way. It's it it's a good part of the story, but uh, it was kind of a letdown. Like, oh. Damn! Why? Why her? Why her? <laughs> that kind of thing. So I'm not yeah. criticizing the fact that she was the demon. I'm criti- I'm. I'm just saying that I felt bad about it. Right. Right. No. Understood. Understood. Well, let's let's. Um, I don't have any point. Any more points of plot really yeah. to talk about? I think the big ones we already we already talked about. Let's well, just we'll just a- jump right back into characters again because <laughs> that's what we've been doing, right? Let's take a quick look at some of the themes going on in this book. I mean, we've got the good versus evil, but I think one of the things that this book does and and focuses on really strongly is the gray areas, and that it's it's kind of pointing out there are the two big powers of good and evil, and then you've got two our two main characters want to exist in the gray. Well, and it's it's like they're doing something good. Yeah. I mean. And I mean, one of the powers of this book is it focuses on social issues and the importance of paying attention to social issues that may not be sexy or may not be the latest hot button issue. But despite, you know, whatever's going on in the news, there are there are there are homeless people, there are poor people, there are women who need shelter and 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 so we are kind of focused on that. So they are doing something good. They're just not. So it's, I think one of the questions is not so much are they doing something good or bad, but are they doing what they're called to do? Yeah. I I felt like a big theme in this was that almost a yin and yang type thing that, that they you've got this really good um, organization. And uh, even with that, this there's this real dark thing going on in the inside of it right it's not the drive behind it it's not even known by most of the people that it's there but it's like when you're in the gray there's space for the the negative to be in there just as much as the light uh kind of stuff so yeah so i mean i I would say that the, the idea of gray, the good and evil, I mean, that's pretty prominent in here. And uh, I think the thing that going back, you said is that John can't exist in the gray. Knowing what he's known, he now has a responsibility that he doesn't want. Right. He can't exist in the gray, but Nest chooses not to. Right. At the end. So and both choose not to. They both choose, yeah, yeah but, but but yeah, like he can't. He has no choice. He'll he has, die. He has he, no choice. Yeah, but she chooses chooses to 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 go out of the gray. Right. 
Jim, your thoughts? Uh, you know, as much as I like John Ross and knowing that he was setting this his responsibilities aside, for whatever reason, he still had this responsibility and he was just turning his back on it completely. And I, I kind of got upset with him over that. It's like, you know that you're the only person who can do this, right? So you need to get back to work. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. So you, you had an epic fail and, and things aren't looking good for you, but you need to pull your socks up, dude, and get to work. Um, and what, and it was a little scary too, because it seemed like the demon was either you're going to come over to my side or I'm going to kill you. Uh, that's basically what the yeah. good side was doing as well. <laughs> you're either going to yeah. come back to us or, or you're going to die. Kill. Yeah, so uh, he was kind of damned both ways. Yeah. But so, yeah. Um yeah. You know, it's it, it I I just felt like the guy needed to uh, needed to do what he was supposed to do. He he's not. He discovered early on he was not going to get to set this aside. That it's it's going to stay with him, no matter what he does. I mean that that guy overseas, uh, Owen told him, you know, you're you're stuck with this, right? And and he still tries to get away from it. And even Wait. with all that he has seen and all that he has done. He's in denial. Well, and didn't Ulish Amina also tell him he was stuck with it? Yeah. When he when he when he visits yeah. his um but another smaller theme is wanting to be loved. And this was a theme in the first one that we saw with the demon and the and her mother's mother. And you see John Ross. John Ross. Jersey. And even Jersey. Yeah, and even even Nest kind of talks a little bit about how she understands now that her family's dead, wanting to have someone you can share right. with. And they kind of, it bugged me because they kind of find that in each other, but they've got this tumultuous history. And it's just like, I just want them to be like, I'm here for you. But instead they're like, cool. We're good. See ya. Boom. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> I mean, John Ross could be checking in with her every now and then, you know, but instead it's just like, cool, you're good, I'm good. Mike drop out of here. Peace out. I'll see you on the, I'll see <laughs> yeah. around. Yeah. And they had this opportunity to be there for each other and fill, I mean, not obviously she's younger and everything, not like romantically, but fill that role of someone. Uh, Father, daughter, figure type yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, um, so uh, closing thoughts and uh, rating. I'm stealing your thunder, David. Oh, go ahead. Right, no, no. So closing go thoughts ahead. and rating of another word. We're rating this, what, out of five? Is that right? Yep. And so closing yep. thoughts and give it a rating. Jim, go. Okay, I'm going to call this a four, a very solid four. I I. Liked it a great deal, but just slightly less than the, the first one we read in the series. But it really makes me want to read the next book and see what's going to happen next. It's almost like a soap opera you have to watch. 
you oh. just you just can't let it go. Um, I'm looking forward to the next book, and uh, I'm kind of gl- I'm glad to see John Ross get back on his uh, on his course. Uh, sorry about Steph, dude. I mean, what can I say? And uh, <laughs> and I'm also kind of relieved that Nest decided to to keep the house. Well, there you go. So there you go. Well, you know, and uh, you're going to say something to that? Yeah, no. I was going to add on my normal question of knowing what you know now, having read the first two books. Would you recommend the series so far to a sci- to a fantasy reader? And a non-fantasy reader. Uh, yes, on both accounts. Okay. Um, you know, I, you know, I, it's 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 fun to hear you say this, Jim, because when we started yeah. this podcast, you were like, I don't know, fantasy is not <laughs> me. Uh, so it's yeah. neat to it's neat to see you. It's neat to see you embracing this as a good story, and. Um, even though it may not like, if you were to like juggle sci-fi fantasy, you, you probably sci-fi would be your go-to. But you yeah. kind of embrace it. This is kind of neat to see, Jim. This is the butt light of fantasy, well, though. <laughs> 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 to be totally honest and upfront about this, I would not have picked up this book on my own. Right? Okay i would have I would have found I would have found something sci-fi to read. Right. Uh, that being said, I kind of pride myself on on having an open mind and being open to experiencing new things. And for what we have read so far, I have a great deal of appreciation for what I have seen. Um, and you know, I think part of the reason of that for that is that the characters have been really interesting people and people that I like to read about and it's been kind of light on the magic. Uh the magic stuff is that's kind of what scares me about reading fantasy is that uh the magic turns into deo deus ex machina and right. you know it's the answer to everything and it's like I don't I don't need to read that over and over again. So the authors we've read have been very skillful so far. Oh, very good. Very good. How about you, David? Um, this is the best of the three we've read. However, in my head, I was like, this is a solid two for me. Uh, but I realized if it's really better than the other ones, it has to be better than a two. So I'm going to give it a three. Okay. Uh, I didn't hate this book. I found it, like I said, boring. The end really, really got me into like, okay, maybe Terry Brooks could write if he tried. <laughs> like, like we will I, never get Terry Brooks in this show. I, apparently, I, I, I really want to read Chinat, like the originals because I think that they're probably great. Because if if they're the same caliber of like how this was towards the end or more, I'm even assuming, then. Yeah, cool. I'm totally on board. Would I recommend this to a fantasy reader? No. Would I recommend it to a non-fantasy reader? No. Uh, would I pick it up on my own? It, I would pick up the originals because I almost have. And the only reason I have it is because of the show. Because I figured eventually we'd get to them at some point. Um, 
I don't know. There are things I liked about this book. There's a lot of things that just didn't impress me. I'm I'm more uh, neutral than I am negative about it. All right. So very good. Three stars. Three stars. I'm going to rate this a four. Okay. Uh, and I think if you'd have talked to me at the beginning of the show, I would have said, ah, oh, maybe a three, a three point five. I know we don't do this fives anymore, but. Um, but when we were talking about it, and especially talking about some of the action scenes and the development and how this demon was a little bit more robust than the last demon, these, the idea of trying to save, lack of a better analogy, save someone's soul, um, like John Ross's, and the complications that come with and convincing him that their soul needs saving I uh I bought into this, and our, and our discussion made me bump that from a three to a four. Uh, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say based on our discussion that this has to be a four for me, and uh, and for those reasons, I it's just it's really it's a uh, it's a good book. I you know this is I'm I was when I we got here tonight I was like it's gonna be two. This conversation really is what made me bring it up to a three, and and. And honestly, appreciate the book way more than I did it, you know, or, but when I got here. Right. Um, to which I want to make the point, join a book club, people. <laughs> like, right. Like, I mean, I mean. And join when, a book club that doesn't just do books that you like. Right. I mean, we're, we we put this out there, but, you know, for people to listen to and and, and hopefully enjoy, but. This I do this because I like to do it, and, right. and like talking about these books like this really enriches my views. I mean, I, you know, I'm the rant master or whatever. Right. I, I hate a lot of things, but but I wouldn't have exposed myself to those things otherwise. And and I don't feel lessened except for uh, New York twenty whatever the hell it was called, <laughs> but twenty one forty twenty one forty. Other than that, I don't feel like a, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, man. You know that one, too. Yeah, but, I mean, I understand why people like them. I don't understand why anyone would read that New York book. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's because of the lady that swung naked under the Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, why why I, read it. that's why I read it. But, but I'm so seriously, if, if you're listening to this, I encourage you to find a friend, one other person, and... And if you don't read the books together, let them recommend things for you and then talk about them. And I, I, I try and do this with so many things, with with movies, uh, with books, whatever. I just find that it, it really – you don't have to do them together, but but it really can broaden your view. And even if it's something you've read a million times, if you recommend a book to somebody, read it at the same time as them and, and discuss it. That's my good word of the day. So write the orbital sword. All right. Gmail. Orbital sword at gmail.com. <laughs> That's right. And let us know what you think of this book. <laughs> right. And you know what? Honestly, if you don't have a book club, join ours. You yeah. know what we're reading each month. We let you know. Let us know your thoughts, and you can contribute to the conversation just as much. Right. Speaking about that. Oh, snap. Boop. What book are we reading next month? We're reading the next book in the... Uh, the Expanse, Expanse, which I can't remember the name of. 
Ab- Abaddon's Gate. Abaddon's Gate. Oh, yeah. I almost started it today. I'm so pumped. <laughs> well, I, would, I started it like three months ago. I yeah. got to go back and reread it now. But I, I'm in the middle of reading yeah. um, Miss Peregrine's Peculiar Children, book oh, three. There, there you go. So, uh, so we have that. What is on our poll for next month? We didn't set it. So, so we'll, have we, the, well, the last book in this one, which yeah, we win. So it's, it's a, 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 Angel Fire East is going to be one of these. That's the third book in this trilogy that we just are currently reading here. And and then we got to pick three others, right? Yeah. We'll come up with them. They'll be up there. They'll be up there. So we got to talk after the show. We'll do that. So yeah. we kind of uh, slept on our duty tonight. But. Yeah. I, I didn't think of it till the middle of the show. I was like, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Very good. Well, I'm glad we're back with James S.A. Corey. Yeah. See, now we're going to have to read the whole series, which is like eight books <sighs> long. Nine, I think it's supposed to be a nine book series, but only book eight. Book eight just came out. Look. Oh, awesome. <laughs> well, you know, that'll be like next summer by the time we get to it. Because we do it every, every, other other, month. every other month. So we're as good. long as people, we're, we do whatever you guys vote for. So as long as it yeah. wins the vote. Yeah. As long as you manipulate us, and, we're good. And we're not hating it. Like, I really think after we finish this trilogy, no more Terry Brooks on the poll well, for a so while. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be a little bit of a stickler. I'm going to ask that we at least put on Shannara. I'm fine with that. Okay. So just the Shannara. And treating it not as its current trilogy, but as one book. I'm okay with that too. Because it's 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 about as thick as a Lord of the Rings book. So all three books is one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with that. And I, I have it, so I have it sitting on the shelf behind you. It's right. not that bad, but <laughs> the book's not that bad. No, I just mean that the, I, what I mean is that the length Jim's of over it. there face palming. Like, if that's the review he's giving it, all I meant is it's not anything longer than we've read before. I mean, we've read some long books. If we could read Aragon one time, we can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, it's not but, a fifteen hundred page epic. Um, well, that's a short book for fantasy. Yeah, I know. Come on, it's pretty, it's pretty normal, right? Come on, Jim. Game of Thrones. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we should give contact information on how they can actually contribute if they want to join our book club here. Yeah, so you can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash the orbital sword. You can right. find us on Twitter. I believe it's the is it orbital sword? It's or? just orbital sword. Yep. And you can also email us, Gmail. Orbital sword at gmail.com. Actually, it's the orbital sword at gmail.com. And uh, you can find it. We have our own webpage. That's where you can vote, vote, vote. vote Get vote, out vote. there and vote. Get out there and vote. Orbitalsword.com. You, you don't want your book not to win. So That's make sure right. you vote. vote, sure, vote it's vote. your civic duty and your responsibility. Vote, vote, vote. And uh, there might be some changes coming to the voting system coming up. So just be warned. That might That's be right, happening. right, right. Um, We're now going to a paper ballot system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the hanging chads. Yeah. <laughs> Smoke <laughs> signals. Or <laughs> like we're doing tonight, ten cans and a string. Yeah. And if people want to leave a voicemail, how can they do that? They can do that at one two six zero five seven seven chat. That's one two six zero five seven seven two four two eight. The other way they can do that, Jim and Dave, is by actually sending in an audio clip through email. That's true. And we can we, yeah. we'll, we'll play it, and that works just as well. Right. So. You can also support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Orbital Sword. That's and, right. And uh, if you want to email us, book uh, or post on Facebook, book recommendations. That's yeah, great we're too. always open. We're always yeah. open to that. So, yeah. so, and maybe that's what we should do. We should maybe maybe we should ask our Facebook page for fantasy suggestions. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what pops up. Yeah, we have enough time. Yeah, we do. We can, yeah. do it. Like, we can just do that tonight. Yeah. 
Yeah. But. All right, guys. Well, once again, for the Orbital Sword, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And join us next time on board the Orbital Sword. If I go to the sky, I will always see your smile. I will always see your smile. You're
will miss you.